Welcome back to Stuff About Money Podcast. I'm Xavier Angel, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm joined with my co-host, Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planning. Eric, what's going on today? Not much, man. Not much. How's your day going so far? It's going. All right. Well, look, today is is an exciting show. We're talking about uh, some of the podcasts that you've been doing over the past several years. Um, I recently listened to a podcast that you did back in early 2020. I think it may have been April, mm-hmm. May. Uh, it was you and uh, Dr. Matt Morris. Were you guys talking about- A friend about, of the show. What's yeah. that? He's a friend of the show. Friend of the show, yes. You and, you and uh, Dr. Morris have been doing stuff for uh, several years. So the one I took a listen to was Coping with Stress, um, both a family and financial stress during times of anxiety. And I think which we find ourselves in right now in this market, don't we? In this world. It, it, so you guys, I think you recorded it back in April 2020. Um, it was right at the. It was right on the 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 beginning of the pandemic. That's okay. right. So in in there, you guys were talking about COVID nineteen. You talked about mm-hmm. uh, the oil prices increasing based off of uh, both Russia and and Saudi Arabia um, and their feud that they were having. Uh, we were going into a presidential election that year as well. Yeah. So that yep. main piece um, is, is relevant because, you know, we have stress right now um, and it's affecting both uh, the stock markets and the economy. Yeah. So in that episode, we, obviously COVID-19 is the event that drove anxiety and stress in the lives of, of people, particularly economic uh, stress in the lives of people. So Matt comes in, gives us some ideas on how to deal with that. But um you know, one of the things early on that I say, and I think the reason why we're reposting this, because I think it's worth the listen, uh, very early on the podcast, when I, one of the things I say is that the only precedent that we have when we experience rough markets, rough stock markets, like we were experiencing back at that time mm-hmm. in 2020, the only precedent we have is recovery. And we recovered. So I thought it was fitting and appropriate to go back and replay this this podcast for our our listeners. Absolutely. And and one of the things that I took from it, um, you reminded me uh, that we should always stay focused, uh, remain the course that um, that is set out there by, by individuals and their planners uh, based off of their risk tolerance and their goals. Yep. So, so y'all take a listen. Well, a big part of it is me talking about the three questions that, you know, we ask whenever we're building a portfolio so that you can have a portfolio that can weather crazy market. So take a listen. If you like it, share it with someone. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Y'all enjoy. Welcome back to Plan Wisely with Eric Garcia. I am John Jagay, joined by Eric Garcia. And Eric, I think with all the stress going on today, time we bring our family therapist back into the fold. And we've got Dr. Matt Morris back with us today, right? Heck yeah, man. There is so much going on right now in the world. The unprecedented amount of events that are going on right now that can trigger our anxiety uh, and fear you know, as it relates to our finances and quite frankly to family as well. You know, We have kids that are home from school. Parents are thrust into homeschooling and working from home. Obviously, COVID-19 has just kind of gripped the nation. It's not as talked about as much, but you're seeing oil prices with Russia and the Saudis kind of in a standoff. We've stopped talking about it, but there's a presidential election going on. Again, working from home, parents are, are thrust into homeschooling. There's a reality that a lot of people are facing right now of reduced income or possibly even the loss of jobs. 
So not only are we facing this epidemic of coronavirus, but also an epidemic of fear. For sure. So I'm happy to have Dr. Matt Morse on with us. How are you doing today, Matt? Thanks, guys. I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be back with you and with you from my home as we're all uh, sequestered, I guess, at this time. But um, great to be with you. And uh, you're exactly right. This is a stressful time on many levels for many families. You know, one of the big stressors right now is we're looking... Obviously, the COVID-19 virus, but specifically the impact that it's having on the economy and on the stock market. And I've been having a lot of conversations, as you can imagine, with not just clients, but just people in general about what's going on. And I'm hearing a lot of things about, yeah, but this is, it's different this time. It's different this time. You know, and certainly the beginning of any economic crisis is different. For example, in 2008, there was a, a mortgage meltdown, credit default swaps, and we had 9-11 earlier than that, and then the tech bubble. 1987, the stock market crash was due to something else, and we had Spanish flu a long time ago, and all these different events kind of trigger these crises a little bit different, but they all have ended the same, and I think that's something that we have to keep in mind. Yeah, Eric, that reminds me of a video I saw from you recently on your YouTube channel, and I would just mention to all of us, you should subscribe to that if you want to keep up with Eric's great short videos. But in that particular video where you were talking to people about the bad advice to not panic, how somebody telling you, a therapist or a financial advisor telling you to not panic is bad advice because it's got the word panic right in it. It seems to strike <laughs> up panic and fear. But in your video, you were specifically talking about the advice to, in moments of distress, to really go back and focus on what we know is true and what we know is true about our finances. That really resonated with me. Yeah. And specific to this situation, the context was looking at what we know, what history has showed us about the stock market and different economic crises. So for example, the only precedent that we really have in economic crisis is recovery. Let me say that again. The only precedent that we have in the modern era of being in the middle of an economic crisis and the stock market dropping as much as it has is recovery. It's always The story has always ended the same. It might start differently, but it always ends the same. But that doesn't take away the fact that this is scary. It doesn't take away the fact that we don't know exactly how to resolve itself. We don't know when it's going to resolve itself. These are really uncharted waters, but the story always ends the same. That's something that I really want to drive home, that there's really no other feasible alternative plan other than to plan for recovery. And that's something that I really want to drive home. So you know, the advice is to focus on the fact that economic crises always recover. They always have recovered. They've historically recovered. To deny that is really to deny the evidence that history has given us. And a minute ago, Matt mentioned your YouTube videos, Eric. I'm going to link to that video into your channel here in the show notes. You can just scroll down on your phone when you're uh, somewhere safe to do so and click on that. Eric, one of the things you always ask clients, and we've talked about this in a previous episode, is the three questions about portfolio construction. Can we run through those and how they're relevant in our current situation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of started talking about the stress of finances and the stress of our investment accounts. And a lot of us right now are watching our net worths decrease because our 401ks or our other investment accounts are dropping. So portfolio construction is really 
important. And whenever I design a portfolio for a client, there's three questions that I always ask. And quite frankly, by asking these three questions and designing a portfolio based on the answers to these questions, it really gives you the plan to stay focused on, to know that your portfolio can withstand kind of what we're experiencing right now in in this market. So the first question that I always ask is, what's the purpose of your money? Is the purpose of the money long-term retirement 10, 15, 20 years from now? Is the purpose of the money to buy a house in a couple of years? Obviously, the answer to that question is going to change the allocation of your money or how your money's invested. That has me thinking about couples that I work with, about the importance that they have talked about the purpose and agree on the purpose and can remind each other of the purpose from time to time when they're watching the numbers change. To that point, Matt, like if the purpose is retirement 30 years out and you're seeing your portfolio drop right now, well, it's not as scary because this is just one event in a series of many, 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 many events before you will need to access your money. So to have someone remind you, whether it's a spouse or a, a financial advisor, to remind you of the purpose of that money is important. But this is just one of the questions. It doesn't mean that if retirement's 30 years away, you can be super risky with your money. The second question that I ask is, what's the likelihood that you'll need your money before the intended purpose? So for example, this money is slated for retirement 20 years away, but I really don't have a lot of other assets. So if something really bad happens, I may need to access this money. So with that in mind, if you're generally a risky person, then maybe you want to be a little bit less risky because you might need this money. And if the market's down, you don't want to sell into a market loss. That's never a good idea. And finally, the third question is just overall risk tolerance. What keeps me up at night? We ask this question several different ways. One, we can put it in a monetary value. Right, so if you lose $10,000, Jag, does that keep you up at night on your $100,000 investment account? And again, this is something we've talked about before, Eric, is it's one thing to play that out in front of paper or a computer screen in your office, but then you get into a situation like we're in right now, and it really is a true test of your risk tolerance. You might be a little bit more bold sitting in an office as opposed to the real world. So it's important when you set up that plan to really know how risk averse or how risk tolerant you are because things will happen. You ran through a few minutes ago, you know, Spanish flu, you know, stock market crash, 29, 87, housing crisis, all that. Things like this are going to happen. So knowing that risk tolerance in advance in real world terms is so important. Yeah. So if we design a portfolio with the answer to these three questions in mind, and one of the things that we do is we focus on downside risk or downside protection. So we want to make sure that in bad markets, the managers that we're working with have performed well compared to their benchmarks. So if we're working with a particular uh, manager of a mutual fund or an ETF or a separately managed account, we want to know that these managers have performed well historically because uh, we think that's a good indication of how they'll perform in another crisis. So we have a fair amount of confidence in the portfolios that we create to make it through quote-unquote, markets like this, the ones that we're seeing now. But that still doesn't necessarily, when you see your account drop by $25,000 or, or 15% or whatever, it's still not very comforting. How do you console people or give them comfort or confidence in these times? That's a big question, first of all. But in kind of 
putting it in the context of your three questions, even if you've done those things well, and then you're losing a lot of money abruptly, it's scary and frightening and alarming and all of those things. And so how do families deal with that? One way to deal with that, I mean, one way to think about why do we even have relationships? Why are we even a couple or why do we have this desire to couple and be together is because relationship insulates us from the distress that we feel in life. Knowing that we have a hand to hold out there while we're going through craziness and crap and distress is comforting, knowing that we're not alone and that we have somebody. And so just turning toward your spouse, turning toward your partner, turning toward the person that you're with and expressing those concerns and asking for comfort, receiving comfort, that's why we're together. I mean, that's one of the primary reasons that we're together. But on kind of a less therapeutic or therapy-esque note, I would say to any couple that I was working with that is worried about their portfolio, go talk to your financial professional. Don't try to figure this out on your own 2 a.m. Google searches. Go get specific advice from the person that you're paying to advise you. They know your needs. They know your portfolio. They know your situation. Every detail matters in this case. And so you're not going to find very detailed advice on Google. You need to go talk to your person. So I would encourage people to do that. That's a really good point, Matt. I've had several conversations with different people who are trying to guess what the best investment is right now. Oh, everything's down. So these, these are the more courageous and the more bold people. I can buy this company or that company. Historically, we know that broad-based, diversified portfolios that are going to align with your goals are going to give you the best chance of meeting your goal over the long term. So it goes back to that question of what's the purpose of the money? You wouldn't say cash it out into gold right now or put it all in CDs right now? No. Well, okay, let me back up. Let me back up. I'm not going to presume to know anyone's specific investment objective, but to jump out of a portfolio that was designed well, that was designed with those three questions in mind, to jump out and to go into gold or to go to cash is setting you up for failure, I believe, because we don't know when the market's going to recover. We know that it will. We just don't know when. And we saw a lot of this in 2008 and 2009, where a lot of clients put me in cash, put me in cash, put me in cash, put me in cash. And the advisors who gave in and moved clients to cash or the clients who acted on their own who might not have an advisor, hmm. they missed out on a very healthy market recovery. And a lot of those people have never since recovered. They're jaded by the market. That's why it's so important to understand what your long-term goal is. So if you don't have a plan, if you don't have an investment plan, you have to create one because that's the truth that we were talking about earlier, Matt, that you stay focused on, that you keep your eyes fixed on is that investment strategy. And also something else, and Matt, I'm going to guess that this is something that you would advocate. Stay off of the alarming headlines. Yeah. I mean, all of us can only take so much threat. So if that threat is in the form of distressing news headlines, we can only take so much of that. And I can be watching TV right now and be watching a regular TV show and they break in with breaking news. We can only take so much of that. So everybody, every family, every person needs to turn off the TV from time to time and do something else, do something less distressing. 
It's not that we're avoiding or we're denying what's out there. It's that all of us only have so much bandwidth to dedicate to distress. Matt, I want to jump in here for a second because you're preaching to the choir, and this is what my wife and I are doing. And I, I work from home normally. My wife is now working from home for at least this next several weeks, or who knows how long this thing is going to last. We get up in the morning, and we watch you know, the local news, and we watch the first segment of Good Morning America at 7 a.m. And after that, the TV is off. We both work all day, and then we watch the nightly news at 6.30. And we're watching the news for about a total of an hour for the day. And beyond that, we're watching primetime shows. The TV's off during the day. And at one point, my wife looked at me and said, I can't watch any more CNN. Just please, just turn it off. And so your point is very well taken. Know where that saturation point is, and don't be afraid to walk away from it and do something else. Yeah, my wife and I were talking today, and, and her thing is, she's like, I'm watching the news once a day. That's it. There's a specific time that I'm checking Facebook. There's a specific time I'm checking the news, and then that's it, because that's all I can handle. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Let me say one more thing about that, though, is that we know we don't only get our news from the TV. We get it through our phones all the time. And so we may have to really rethink how we're using our phone and what apps we have on our phone, what notifications we have on our phone. Those push alerts. The push alerts. And also our habits of using the phone. I mean, we can all kind of default to just turning on our phone and going to that app that's right by our thumb and it pulls up a screen that is distressing again that we just looked at seven minutes ago. <laughs> so in addition to like limiting your access to news on TV, we also might during this time need to rearrange our phone usage and physically rearrange some apps, turn off some notifications, delete some programs so that we're not inundated with news all the time. Maybe we should all go back to flip phones for a season. I wouldn't go that far. We'll get stressed out by how long it takes to send a text at that point. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Remember that? Holy smokes. One thing I wanted to suggest here, you know, I keep talking about plans and long-term plans. If you haven't sat down and put together a long-term plan, I'm going to tell you, this is not the time. Time of crisis is not necessarily the best time to put together a long-term plan. Um, I think that there is a, a reality right now where we're kind of circling the wagons. We're, we're kind of kicking into survival mode. And I think that, and Matt, I, I don't know, I imagine that there's something here where in times of high stress or high anxiety, there's a certain survival mechanism that kicks in where we're kind of like circling the wagons and, and we have to almost get, I can't think of the right word, but just very short term and recognize that we're in the short term just to survive through. Yeah. Actually, our planning ability, thoughtfulness, judgment, higher order thinking skills decrease significantly. And in moments of immediate crisis and physical distress, our body changes so that we're able to be hyper-focused on the distress right in front of us. That is not the kind of neurological mindset that we want to be in when we're going to try to do some kind of long-range planning or you know, come up with alternatives. We just need to act. And so our body is built, our mind is really built to become focused during those times. So in crisis, it, I would say, is not the time to plan. It's the time to stick to the plan. You said that so much more eloquently than, than I could have. And, th and that's exactly why Matt's on the call today. Stick to the plan. Yeah. I do think there is a little bit of reality, though, where our flow of life has changed so much, so dramatically, our spending habits were 
maybe sitting behind the computer a little bit more often, buying more. I, I, don't, I don't know, but there is a, a, a small reality of you maybe have to revisit your spending habits and the opportunities to spend right now to make sure that you don't do anything crazy. I think this is probably even more immediate than it's sounding as you're talking about it. I think as we're all sitting at home right now and spending differently than we were last week and will be next week, and our incomes might be being affected differently, I think we probably do need to think about spending right now. I don't mean make a long-term plan. I just mean kind of like take stock on what's coming in, you know, what do we have in stock, and what do we need to get in the next week. I think we probably, I think families and couples probably do need to have just kind of a 15, 20-minute financial meeting right now. Yeah, that's part of not making a um, long-term decision to, I'm going to reduce my debt over the next two years. This is, I'm going to get by the next two weeks. Yeah. And that's so important too, because we don't know how long all this is going to last. It could be weeks, it could be months. So trying to plan out the second and third quarter of 2020 is not going to be a smart thing to do right now, because we don't know what the second and third quarter of 2020 is going to look like in terms of just our overall lifestyle. No doubt. There's no doubt. So as we're dealing with the stress of finance, it's compounded by the fact that we're dealing with a lot of family stress right now. This is unprecedented, right? What's happening in the market and what's happening in the economy, coupled with the fact that the entire country, school is shut down. Kids are home. There's a lot more togetherness than normal right now. Yeah, I've personally talked to several families this week that are quite alarmed and quite freaked out by the notion that they're now their kid's teacher and they're going to have to be responsible for their kid's education for the most part. And in addition to that, they don't have a workplace to go to to get away from each other. Uh, We are spending a lot of time together. It's kind of like a vacation without the fun. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best way to put it. You know, I think about it in my situation, you know, my wife and I just got married a couple of years ago. We don't have kids, but we have a small house and we're both working from home. And I have heard a lot of her boss in the last week because she's been on a lot of conference calls. And then she says, wow, you're really loud on the phone. Well, that's not surprising because anyway, used to be a radio DJ, but we're adjusting to our new normal. And it's just the two of us and we don't have kids adding to the equation either. So I can only imagine. I can't imagine our, our dog. Our dog has not seen so much of us in his whole life. We've seen all the memes that dogs, are. this is the greatest thing that ever happened to yeah, dogs. They're like, what, are, what, you're here all the time? <laughs> I was on a call with um, the help desk at the, uh, uh, one of the investment companies I work with, you know, professional call. And the call started with the young lady on the other side saying, hey, look, I apologize if you hear a toddler in the background, but I'm working from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and that's the reality. I was watching Squawk Box this morning And the anchor, she talked about the fact that they're recording this show and she's barefoot. That's the reality that we live in. Uh, But I want to go back to this idea of homeschooling, Matt, uh, where all these parents are thrust into being homeschoolers. I don't know if you're following some of the the tweets and some of the memes out there on homeschool, but they're pretty hysterical. Our homeschooling curriculum includes honors, laundry, and and AP vacuuming. You mentioned one yesterday about two days into homeschooling and and the kid already got suspended or something like that? Two hours into homeschooling, one kid's suspended, one's expelled, and the teacher got fired for drinking on the job. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) New Orleanian homeschool. We're a homeschooling family. We've been homeschooling. So, you know, we the adjustment is 
not much of an adjustment for us, but it is hard and it is taxing on families and relationships because you don't get a break from kids. That's right. Uh, Work outside the home is a valuable break and is a valuable distance from uh, the relationships in the home. Relationships, as I always say, are hard. They're not easy. They don't come easy. And making them work takes work. Making them work well takes work. Just this idea that we're spending so much more time together is going to put stress on the family. And if families know that and accept that, they can plan for that. So what are some tips to do that, man? Like how, how do we, that we're stressed out, we're worried about money. And now one of the hardest things, relationships, maintaining good relationships that we have to do, it's we're already taxed out emotionally. Give us the silver bullet, man. How do, how do we do this? Well, I want to go back to this idea of make a plan. We were talking about it earlier with, you know, you have a plan for your money, you have a plan for your portfolio. In challenging times, stick to the plan. I want to kind of revisit that in the home. When families or people in relationship, when we experience frustration and irritation that's becoming perpetual or cyclical, like it's happening every morning at breakfast or it's happening every night at bedtime, if it's predictable and perpetual, then the leaders of the home, the managers of the home, need to create a plan to organize that time better. There's something dynamically and interactionally that's happening in those moments that is causing the friction and the frustration. And the the managers, the parents, need to sit down and come up with a better plan. You don't have to have breakfast the same way you have been having it if it's not working. You don't have to do bedtime the same way you've been doing it if it's not working. Do it differently. And this is a great time. We're all stuck at home due to coronavirus time to look at some of our processes and procedures in the home and think through and be a little bit more thoughtful and intentional about, is that working? Is there a better way to do that? If it's not working, can we do it differently? So for instance, about homeschooling, that's going to be challenging for a lot of parents because it's not their normal job. If it's not working after one week, let's start having a family meeting with the kids and talk through and think through how can we do that better? How can we organize that differently? For instance, maybe we need to do that earlier in the day than later in the day. Maybe your kids are better at organizing and staying focused and staying on task at different times of the day. And we need to kind of hone in on that. If it is keeping the house decluttered and clean, maybe we need to figure out a procedure for that that works better for everyone. I I can remember a time when my kids were much littler where toys would get drug out and then scattered about the house. And, you know, if you waited all day to deal with that, at the end of the day, it was really frustrating for everybody because now the kids are tired, we're tired, and the house is full of toys. And so a way that we decided to deal with that as a family, we sat down, we had a meeting, we brainstormed, we, we got different ideas from different people. But the way that we decided to deal with that would be to set a timer. Back in the day, we had one of those like clickety egg timers. Yeah. Not our fancy Alexa timer now, but we would set the timer for 50 minutes or 55 minutes and everybody would play for 55 minutes. And when it would ding, we would spend the next five minutes or the next 10 minutes putting things away and putting things away that have only been out for 50 minutes is much easier 
than trying to clean the whole, whole house. So like today, it might be conceivable that families have two chore times right now while we're all sequestered at home. We're going to spend 11 to 11.30 kind of resetting the house and doing a couple of chores. And then we're going to spend 5 to 5.30 resetting the house and doing some chores. If a family were to just come up with a plan like that, that's different than their normal plan, maybe their normal plan is clean everything on Saturday. Well, if you've been at home all week together, it's going to be a wreck by the time Saturday gets here. So maybe changing what you've been doing to something that works better given this current environment, this current situation, will save everyone a lot of frustration and headache. And so kind of to zoom back out and what we're talking about, when you hit those bottleneck points of frustration, perpetual frustration and irritation, we got to sit down and plan that out and organize that better so we're more successful. Yeah, I like how you say that, Matt. Like, if there's a lot of tension, then change it. It's not working. Something's not working. It's no different than when we're doing financial planning. And, you know, I talk about financial planning being very fluid. It's constantly changing. The variables change. And as the variables change, the plan sometimes needs to be adjusted to continue towards that long-term goal. And it's no different here, right? The variables have changed dramatically. Dramatically. And the goal is order in the house. Um, therefore, we need to change our plan. Yeah, there's so much that feels out of our control right now. But what is in our control is, for the most part, how we organize our time. Maybe not exactly how we spend it, but how we organize it for the most part. And, and so just reminding people that you're the boss of your house. You're the boss of how the processes run in your house. Be the boss. Make a new plan if it's not working. That's good stuff there. I'm inspired to go home and have a a family meeting now, Matt. I appreciate that. I feel like I, I just feel like I got out of a, a therapy session. Get organized. Be the boss, man. Yeah. So, Matt, we appreciate that. That was some good information there and that our listeners will be uh, appreciative of that advice there. So, as we start wrapping this up, there's just a couple things, a couple closing thoughts that I had here is, Matt, you, you've already alluded to this. You mentioned it, that humans are really good at solving the problem that's right in front of them. And I think that we are resilient people. And this is why I have confidence that we're going to come out of this. We're going to solve this problem. We're going to find a solution to this virus. Our economy is going to rebound. You're starting to hear stories like uh, like last night I was reading of a, of a company that distills gin and they're making hand sanitizers. Hmm. Got a few of those here in Michigan. They're all over the place. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so cool. I was listening to one of the executive vice presidents of Walmart. They're going to hire 150,000 people, and they're trying to forge a partnership with the hospitality industry. I was talking to another uh, business owner who they're retooling some of their um, their manufacturing equipment to make surgical masks. Mm. Uh, so you're hearing these stories. It's almost a la World War II, where the country just kind of pulled together. And just humans are resilient. The government is moving at a very fast pace right now with stimulus. Some of it's going to work. Some of it might not work. But that gives me confidence that we're going to get through this. And that's why I think it's so important that we keep our eyes fixed on that long-term goal, that we keep our eyes fixed on our long-term plans, and we're going to get through this. I think community is important. Uh, I think it's important that we press into our communities, even if it's virtual right now, but we surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage us. That could be your financial advisor as it relates to your finances. It could be a therapist. You know, Matt, one of the things that you're doing right now, which is really cool, you and Dr. Roy Salgado are literally training hundreds of counselors to deliver telemental health. 
during this time, which is really cool. Yeah, that's an exciting thing. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are needing help and needing services, and we've got to be able to deliver that in a new way. So telemental health, telehealth is really exciting. Yeah, so I just encourage people to, as scary as it is right now, as difficult as it is right now, um, I think that there's reasons to to be optimistic. And I know for some people that just sounds annoying. Um, you know, eternally optimistic people are annoying. Sometimes overconfident people are annoying. But I'll say this, confidence uh, has been a, a human trait that leads to uh, survival and it leads to flourishing. I think that's so true, Eric, because you've got two choices right now. You can see the positivity or you can see the negativity. And I'm not a therapist, Matt, but I would imagine that seeing the positivity has a much better effect on your brain than the negativity. Yeah, you know, and it's okay to see the negative too. It's just relationships are there to help provide comfort when we're kind of stuck in negativity, and that's what we can see right now. So when you're feeling good, reach out to someone. If you're not feeling great, reach out to someone. I'll just say that something my wife and I have taken to doing is because we're home together all day is at night or pulling up the iPad and we're FaceTiming various couples that we're friends with and checking in on them. Hey, how you guys doing? Just yeah. having that sense of community, like a couple that we didn't typically go out to dinner with on the weekends. Here we are on Friday afternoon, March 20th. We're not going to be able to go to dinner with them this weekend, but we're going to eat dinner and FaceTime them because we're just make do the way we are right now. That's great. Reach out to each other. It's good stuff. You know, one day, you know, one day far in the future, we're going to look back on this time in our lives, maybe kind of the same way we look back at Y2K. Maybe a little bit differently, but if you remember Y2K... Or even 9-11. The world was going to... Yeah, we're going to look back on and say, wow, we got through it. We overcame. We overcame. That's what I hope people take away from this episode today is there's something to be hopeful for. And uh, just hold on to that. All right. We're going to include Eric and Matt's contact info here in the show notes. If you want to reach out to Eric for some financial help or Matt for some mental health help, uh, they're always willing to talk to you. You can reach out to them at their phone numbers and websites. We're going to include that in the show notes to this episode. I want to thank you both for your time today. I know trying times are uh, going on in the head right now, but we really can get through this together. So thank you both so much. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Glad to be here, Jack. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. New Century Financial Group, LLC, Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., and Garcia Financial Group, LLC, do not offer tax advice or tax services. Please consult your tax specialist for individual advice. We make no specific comments or recommendations on any tax-related details. Entities listed are not affiliated.